I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, we have new numbers on the Delta variant of the coronavirus, which continues to gain momentum in California. Though the mutation still only makes up about 5% of cases in the state, it's growing. One Bay Area County saw infections of the Delta variant triple in the past month alone. As my guest today, Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday explains, the variant has caused chaos in other places, particularly among people who are unvaccinated. That's because it's more infectious than the strain it may soon overtake, known as Alpha. Later in the show, I'm going to ask Erin about a group that she's been paying special attention to, families that have children under age 12 who can't yet be vaccinated. Erin Alday, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me back again, Damien. Erin, you've got some incredible numbers here on this Delta variant, but I first want to ask you about this really stark quote from Dr. Eric Topol about the Delta variant. He put it in really stark terms, uh, basically saying people should get vaccinated or they may get it. Yeah, I think that he's he's kind of joining a little bit of a chorus there with people saying, you know, especially with this new variant, this Delta, it is so infectious. It spreads so easily from person to person that, you know, what they're saying is, is you either get vaccinated or you're going to get infected with this variant. Um, and they're kind of, you know, it used to be that, you know, if you if you had chosen not to be vaccinated or you weren't vaccinated, that you know, their cases were low enough and and there were all kinds of sort of protective things going on that you probably, you know, we're going to get lucky and avoid this. And increasingly, some folks are saying, you know, this thing is out there enough and is and is transmissible enough that if you're not vaccinated and you're going out and about, you're going to get exposed to it and you're going to get infected with it at some point. And we've seen that in some other places. Yeah, I think that's really what they're talking about happening in the United Kingdom now, which which frankly, the UK has pretty good vaccination rates. They're they're on par with what we see in California, but they've seen, you know, these big spikes in cases um, and, and to the point where they actually delayed their reopening. They were supposed to reopen, I think, this week and they pushed it back a month because they were seeing these spikes. And it's it's entirely in their their unvaccinated groups. They they are behind us in vaccinating young adults and and teenagers. And they're just seeing all these cases show up in, in that age group. All right, let's get into these numbers that you are first reporting about the variant as it enters California. What are you seeing? So, um, yeah, this this variant has increased really dramatically um, just over the last month when it was first reported. Um, you know, California didn't see its very first cases until early May. So literally had nothing before May and then had a handful. And as of last week, we were up to about 250 cases um, and basically, you know, more than doubled um, just in one month time period, um, this this Delta variant. And, and by comparison, you know, the Alpha variant, which is also highly infectious, um, that one increased only about 50 percent in that same time period. So here, here you have Alpha variant was considered, you know, sort of the most infectious variant that we knew of. And it's increasing about 50 percent. And this this new Delta variant is far outpacing it. So it's, you know, again, more than doubled in just that that month long time period. OK, so I think people can understand if something is more contagious, it's spreading. I hope I hope that I'm getting that correct. But is it more serious? And does a virus that's more serious spread quicker? Yeah, no, I think that that's that's an important question. And I will say that for now, we don't have any firm evidence that this variant is uh, causing more serious illness or death. In fact, the signs in the UK are pretty good, though they're seeing, you know, these these spikes in cases. Um, they're not and they are seeing some increase in hospitalization because you would expect that more people are getting sick. They're going to be hospitalized. They're not seeing an increase in deaths. 
Um, and the people being hospitalized aren't necessarily, you know, as seriously ill as we have seen in the past. You know, they're not necessarily ending up in the ICU like we've seen. Their hospital stays are shorter. You know, there's there's good evidence about that. Um, it's a little bit mixed because this Delta variant, of course, emerged in India. That's where it came from. And when it was spreading in India, we saw some really awful kind of death and hospitalization rates um, in India. But then things get kind of muddied because you don't know if that's because the variant itself is more dangerous or just because their hospitals have been so overwhelmed that they're seeing, you know, poor outcomes. Um, but as you kind of hinted at, you know, when when a variant is more infectious, so it's infecting more people, um, that can, you know, potentially be a sign that it's it's actually less serious. And there are some scientists who wonder about that if it's if it's actually causing less serious disease, because that can make it a little bit easier to spread. You know, if people aren't feeling as bad, um, if they're not taking it as seriously, then they might be more prone to kind of going about and exposing others to it. And that can actually increase the spread of disease. But, you know, with this particular variant, it's so new, we really don't don't know the answer on that. But I will say to offer some reassurance, it does seem like it's not at this time causing more serious disease. All right. And what can we say about vaccination? Are the, the vaccines that we're using now just as effective against the Delta variant? Yeah, so that's another really kind of interesting question at this point. So again, to start with the good news, the the two kind of Pfizer and Moderna two-dose vaccines that we use mostly in this country um, are very effective against this variant with two doses. So if you do your full course and get both doses, it's essentially equivalent to to protection against any other version of this. I think you lose a little bit of protection, but they're holding up very well against the Delta variant. Um, the, the downside is it, it seems like one dose is a problem. So if you just get one dose of either of those and you skip your second one, um, that could kind of put you at risk of getting this, this Delta variant. They, those, they don't hold up as well as they do with other variants. Um, and then the big thing is we don't really know where Johnson and Johnson fits in with this, that one dose Johnson and Johnson shot. Um, there's kind of some conversation around that right now. Um, the problem is that all the data we have is out of the United Kingdom and the UK doesn't use Johnson and Johnson. So we don't really have good information. They have another vaccine that's similar to Johnson and Johnson. It seems to be holding up pretty well against the variant, but you know, it's nobody really wants to kind of translate that across right away. So we really desperately need our own data on how Johnson and Johnson holds up against this variant. And, you know, the possibility exists and people are talking about this already of if you got Johnson and Johnson and this Delta is spreading, we may be looking at those folks being advised to get, you know, an RNA booster. So a booster from one of those Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. Wow. Okay. Let's take a quick break, Aaron. I want to ask you when we come back, about this, these young kids and, and the concern about people that haven't been vaccinated yet and also about the reopening and what you're seeing so far and whether that stuff could change. We'll be back right after this on Fifth and Mission. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday. We're talking about the Delta variant, which is on the rise in California, some new numbers that Aaron has been breaking down that show some danger. And Aaron, I want to talk about that danger relative to the reopening, which kind of we burst open the doors last week, but people are very happy about that. They're also being very cautious. And and how does the Delta variant affect that? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I think, first of all, in your uh, note about kind of how reopening is going, um, 
Yeah, I mean, just I don't know, but what you've seen, but anecdotally, um, you know, I'm definitely seeing still a lot of mask wearing. Um, you know, I know that we had a big piece kind of over, you know, recently about kind of looking at at especially in grocery stores. You know, what what kind of masks uh, masking people are keeping up, and you know, personally speaking, I'm sort of masking up based on what you know what I see in the environment I'm in. So you know, I have been wearing my mask still in a grocery store, even though. I feel very protected have, having, you know, been fully vaccinated for quite some time now. Um, you know, it doesn't feel risky to me. I feel very comfortable doing that, but I know a lot of people aren't. Um, and so I try to be thoughtful about that, but it is sort of a strange space to be in. Yeah. You mentioned that we sent reporters out to five, our colleagues to five grocery stores. It was 331 to 43. That was last Thursday for masks. So, People were heavily still wearing them. Now, I've noticed that as staff members in grocery stores start to take off masks, that that number seems to be evening out a little more. Yeah, I think that I think that's going to be for me personally, that will be a big factor because I think you and I have had conversations about this. But, you know, I I sort of take my lead. I'm trying to be uh, polite about it and respectful of where people are at. And certainly those employees are are guiding me. So if they start dropping masks, that would make me feel more comfortable. I also think people just they need to get used to it. It feels weird. For some people. You've, you've mentioned actually asking the, the clerk or the cashier what they're comfortable with. Yeah, I, I, I have a local like small grocery corner grocery store near me. And I had asked the the main the owner there um, if he was going to get vaccinated a couple months ago and he wasn't. And I we kind of had some conversations where I gently tried to coax him into getting vaccinated without being pushy. Um, but I just went there a couple days ago and saw him and he was wearing a mask and I was wearing mine. And I asked him again if he had gotten vaccinated and he had. He actually had gone ahead and done it, which I was pleased about. And then I said, well, why are we <laughs> wearing masks? And he he told me that I definitely did not have to, um, that he's not, you know, he's perfectly comfortable with that. But but he still had his on. And I think he just, you know, didn't I think he felt like he wasn't quite there. And I think mostly he felt like customers he had customers that still really wanted that they, they wanted that that level of protection. All right. Well, let's move on to talking about another thing you've been following closely, and that is children who can't be vaccinated yet under 12 years old. And you've been talking about parents, about their fears and how they're going about the next few months. Yeah, I think it's a really I I really feel for parents of those young children right now. It's a such a strange time to be in when everybody's, you know, who's not a parent of young kids is you know, excited to be reopening, excited to be picking up their normal lives again. Oh my God, this is great. We can lower our masks. We can do all these things. And these parents of little kids are like, but, but can we, you know, is it, it doesn't feel safe. Um, their kids are not vaccinated. You know, they can't, I mean, by law, they can't really go into a grocery store anywhere and not wear a mask. Um, but I think what this, a lot of this comes down to is you're talking about, you know, families and people who have been living in a year and a half of this sort of fear of this virus that can kill people. And even though we know that it is not nearly as deadly and as dangerous for little kids, it's kind of, I think, hard for some parents to wrap their heads around that. Like, how do you like think to yourself, well, wow, we've been so worried about this thing for so long that we completely shut down our economy for a year and a half. But oh, hey, it's not actually that bad for kids. So my kid's fine now. Like you, people can't flip that switch and they shouldn't necessarily. I think there does still accept a risk. And so we're in this realm of parents are kind of having to decide what level of risk is acceptable 
for them on behalf of their kids while they can't be vaccinated. And they have to really, that's a pretty heavy burden for, I think, some parents to think about, you know, I, they're they're desperate. They really want their kids to have social lives too, to be able to see their friends, to go to camp, to, you know, go out and go to museums and go to movie theaters and do all these things, these things again that they've missed, but there's sort of varying degrees of, you know, how safe does that feel? And, you know, one woman I talked to was just like, if my kid, if I take my kid to a baseball game or somewhere and he gets COVID, I'm never going to forgive myself. Yeah, especially after all this time, right? I mean, you've avoided it all this time. And then to have, you know, it could be even be a breakthrough case where an adult has it. And if, if you're having cocktail parties and, and events again, then maybe the, the kid gets it. Right, exactly. So, I mean, on the one hand, I really feel for her. But on the other hand, you know, we're talking about such a small chance of those things happening. And kids are, I mean, at this point, you know, the flu is kind of, we don't take, the flu is, is comparable to what kids are dealing with, um, just in terms of, you know, all the protections they're taking now and, and how low the rates are. And we don't do these things for the flu. We don't keep kids, you know, away from their friends and and still kind of masked and locked up inside because of of the flu or, or a lot of other, you know, risks, um, that, that kids and all people face all the time. And so I think parents are just in this tough spot of figuring out how do we get back some kind of normal and let our kids who are really have been suffering really, you know, major mental health issues. A lot of parents talking about their kids being angry and depressed and that's God to see a 10 year old be angry and depressed and all of that is just heartbreaking and so, of course, they're eager to get their kids out there, and they should. I mean, that's one of the things that I hopefully that message gets out there is there is a lot of room for parents to be flexible now to let their kids sort of resume some of those those normal activities and see their friends again that, you know, that they they can open up in a lot of ways. There's a lot of, of that potential out there. So hopefully, you know, they will also get a chance to relax, too. All right, Aaron. Well, let's leave it there. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me again, Damien. Thanks to my guest today. She's Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday, to Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.